Welcome to The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. I am your host, Sheila Cummins, and today my guest is Holly Hoadley. Now, Holly has been thinking differently since 1976, which is so true when it comes to our conversation today. If you're somebody who likes to carve your own path, do things your own way, and not follow conventional business structures and norms, then this is an interview that you don't want to miss. Once an executive assistant with a side hustle, companies now turn to Holly when they need business strategy, human-centric social media, and creative marketing solutions. Over the past seven years, Holly has built creative solutions to a multi-six-figure marketing agency by bridging the gap between strategy and fulfillment in the world of marketing. She leads a bright, amazing team of creatives and delivers rock-solid strategies uniquely tailored to each client's goals. She is a dad-joke-loving, 90s-hip-hop-listening, self-proclaimed hustler with a huge heart and a work ethic to match. I hope that you enjoy the conversation today as much as I did. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. My guest today is Holly Hoadley from Creative Solutions. Holly, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I know you've got an absolutely thriving marketing and social media and website agency. Tell us a little bit about Creative Solutions before we get into the backstory, which is absolutely intriguing. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is so a great. Pleasure. So yeah, Creative Solutions is a brainchild of my own brain, and it really is around business solutions. So we put our heart and soul into everything that we do. Our entire team, we have about 14 team members. It really started based on consulting. Consulting, that's all we did until the people and the businesses that I worked with said, great, I have a plan. Who executes it? And I thought, well, shoot, we do. Absolutely. So we started off just doing consulting, turned into this giant agency now out of nowhere. We do website design development based on UX principles. We do service design, UX, graphic design, full branding, as well as what we specialize in is organic social media management. Amazing. And so I I do want to talk about how you went from consultant to agency, because I think that's an important shift. But bring us back to the beginning, Holly, because it is such an interesting road that you've taken to get to where you are today. For sure. So I remember I was, uh, it all started back in the day. I was 16 years old. I always knew I was a bit weird and I always knew I was a bit different, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And so the, the, the day that I realized that I was unusual was I was 16 years old and my guidance counselor asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And of course, my inside normal brain said, I would like to paint on artificial limbs to make them more realistic 
So people feel very good about having artificial limbs that match their other limb. And uh, you can imagine back in the early 90s of, oh, to be a fly on the wall and see your guidance counselor's face. Yeah, it's the face you expect. She looked at me and said to me, that's that's not a real job, Holly. You're going to have to do, you know, administrator or gym teacher. I think that's your your avenue you should focus on. And I thought, well, that's silly. <laughs> so I ended up really embracing the quirks. I embraced the oddness and the unusualness of my brain. I knew I thought differently than everybody. Every job that I've ever had took me into a spot where no one knew what to do with me. You know, I went to like management roles and they're like, but you could probably run the company. And I thought, okay, let's try that. So every job that I've been in since retail, restaurants, I've worked with entrepreneurs, I've worked in corporate, I've, I've done a lot of different jobs in my 45 years of life. But it really came down when I was working for corporate, they kept pu- putting me into these pigeonhole roles. And I was like, well, no, I'm bigger than that. I, I can help you here and do logistics and help you with your operations efficiency modeling. And I can do And I, my brain literally was exploding in this pigeonhole scenario. When it really came down to it, I just had so much random experience based on my logic brain as well as my creative brain. And so every challenge that I was given in any of those situations, I always had an answer. I always had a solution. And it usually was a creative solution. So when I was working for corporate, it was an awesome job, getting paid good money, RSP contributions and the whole jam, loving it. Most money I ever made in my life. I was like, I'm a baller now and I don't have to eat ramen every day of my life anymore. So I was let go. (laughs) I was fired. Big, cushy, amazing job that I had that I thought I was going to be at for a long time. But I tell you the truth, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Truly. Letting go, getting let go from that job has propelled me into entrepreneurship because as soon as I was let go, it was around my birthday time in July. It was weird timing for me to get fired because I was in the middle of a whole bunch of projects and they just let me go. So I, I just cried for a while and I thought, you know what? I'm going to change my LinkedIn profile because I know I do a lot of consulting on the side and I had this little kind of, kind of side thing going on at helping businesses. And as soon as I changed my LinkedIn profile, I got three job offers and two consulting offers the same day. Now, what had you been consulting on? I was consulting on marketing plans, brand identity plans, as well as business efficiency modeling. I know that sounds fancy, but really it just means investigating the business operations and all the components and the people and coming up with a really solid, logical plan to increase efficiencies. Wow. I just I just need to sort of tap back into the fact that there's your guidance counselor, you know, doing the best that they can. You know, here you are, a self-described weirdo. I'm using your words, not mine. One of the things we tell our kids all the time, my son is a self-described nerd. And so we say, fly your nerd flag high so all the other nerds can find you. And my younger son, he's he's a firecracker. And we say, just Fly your weirdo flag high so the other weirdos can find you. I love that you were able to get through the trauma of high school. I don't know if it was traumatic for you, but we're just going to use those words here and not listen to the guidance counselor and just follow your gut. And I also love how here's this traumatic, another traumatic moment of, you know, being let go from your job, which does open up a whole myriad of emotions, actually had such a beautiful silver lining to it. Absolutely. That's, I feel like every 
I truly, truly believe that every situation that we're in is a blip in our lifespan. Yeah. So whether it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to you or the worst thing that's ever happened to you, there is this underlying silver lining there always. And you just have to pay attention to it and really, truly believe it's there. But also, you know, you've built this business based on you know, what works for you, which is, again, something that I think I think a lot of listeners sometimes build a business in a way that they've seen others do or they feel they have to or, you know, they're, I hate it when people come and say, well, my business coach made me choose one thing, you know, because there are some people and entrepreneurs out there who are multidisciplinary, who have multi-talents, multi-interests, and who's to say pigeonholing yourself into one area is the way to go. And so even what you said, you know, you lost your job and then three people contacted you. It wasn't even for one thing. It was for different kinds of consulting. And I can see that even now in your business model, you know, you do the website and the the, the marketing and the social media and the branding. And I that need for variety I think is, I love that you've been able to maintain and honor that. What have been some of either the benefits of it? And then on the flip side, what have been some of the challenges of not being niched down? Because I think in your, your bio, it says, you know, we work with construction management, development, retail, solar powered products, supplements, subscription boxes, restaurants, BIA, manufacturing, healthcare, spas and mediclinics, salons, electron, NGOs, like you're going against the grain. And I, I really admire that. Thank you. It's actually, it's one of those things that I've worked with coaches in the past and that's what you hear, niche down, niche down, niche down. And I thought, I'll niche down, that's fine, but for specific services. And the niche that I see is our approach to things. Yes. So the way, the way that my brain works and my quirkiness and the way that we truly, really actually care for our clients and their successes, our whole team is ingrained with it. We all have the same belief. We all have the same feelings. And we know that we're niched to an extent, especially with social media. But when it comes to truly niching down to a specific market, absolutely not. I'll never do it. No, but I think that what you have done is identified the commonalities and, you know, anybody who's going to go research you and I encourage you to go research and check out Holly's website because the approach that you're using is your niche. It's people who believe that you are in the people business and it's the H to H factor, human to human factor, not so much B to B, B to C. And when I saw that and read it, it was almost like that flag that we just talked about earlier is flying high. And it's like, okay, if you are a human to human business and you believe that your business runs on humans and people, then we are right for you. And so what a clever niche down. Tell us more about the H2H approach. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm loving these questions so much because it's true. It embodies everything that I believe in. When it comes to the H2H approach, when you really think about it, there's a whole bunch of humans behind your business. And there's a whole bunch of humans you're trying to sell to. They have a need. You happen to have the solution. All you have to do is just pair it up, right? So if you start to look at the motivators behind purchasing decisions, the motivators behind what people want from you and your business, do they want cheap and cheerful? Do they want, you know, the Starbucks or the Tim Hortons kind of route? Are they looking for value? Will they pay anything just to talk to you? What is it about you and your business that you have set out to say, I want to be remembered for this? This is my thing and this is my niche, which is not an industry specific in my opinion. 
But what makes you special? What's your value prop? Those people that you're selling to or trying to sell to also want you. They need you in their life. They need that solution. Now you just want to be able to match up the motivators with your marketing materials and direction based on that. So the human to human approach really is happens to be my initials, H to H, just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. But uh, well, <laughs> well, marketing ploy there, clever, clever. But it really is. There's humans. Let's start thinking about as humans. I don't, yeah. I'm not a B to C business. I'm not a B to B business. I'm an H to H business. Like we truly, truly want our humans that we're working with to be successful, even with our team. We're in the human to human business with our team as well. How can we help them? How can we support them? How can we make them the best they can be and really be there to motivate them and to mentor them as well as helping our clients out? And they get the same feeling, whether they're talking to our website person or our director of social media or the social media managers, they have to feel that underlying feeling throughout the entire process for it to be successful. And that's the niche down. I love it. So you went from being a consultant, which... You know, it has many perks as a business model, low cost to entry, you know, your time, exchanging time for money, it's high profit, you know, you can run lean margins. But then I hear what you're saying where your audience is like, yeah, but okay, this is great. Thanks for the consulting. Love the plan. Now what? How did you make that shift from consulting to agency model? That happened quick because <laughs> building the plane as it flies. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent is exactly what happened. I knew a lot of people in, you know, lots of marketing agency spaces. And I knew a lot of freelancers just from my old previous jobs. And it just happened overnight. I, I got, you know, I put these marketing plans together. They were phenomenal and they were super happy. It was an, one was an architect firm and they thought, this is incredible. Like, but we can't do it. We can't, like, we love what you did and thank you for the direction, but what are we, what do we do? And so I wrote down the steps. Here are your different phases. And they said, yeah, cool. Again, who's going to do that? I thought, well, shoot, I guess I'm going to have to find someone. So I asked around a couple of website people that I, I used to work with and freelancers. They said, yeah, let's go. I called a lawyer immediately. I was trying to get insurance. I was trying to get like errors and admissions and get a name and register and like do the whole thing all at once. So I got some contractor agreements put together, some blanket ones, some scope work docs. I had I mean, if you know me by now from the set, from this little session we're chatting, you pretty much know that I'm pretty like diligent with making sure that things are done. So that was one thing I had to do. I had to get all that stuff together, start working with, with contractors. And then it just kept building for the first couple of years. I only had, you know, three or four different contractors and year seven. Now we're looking at 14. So grew a lot. And we have a lot of strategic partnerships as well that if we don't do a service like SEO or pay per click or anything like that, we have really strong partners that I have vetted for many years that that we would refer to or do white label work with. So what were the hardest parts about, you know, shifting on the fly like you did? Like you, it sounds like you went and got all the legal stuff and made sure that you were protected, made it official. What were what were some of the day to day struggles through that shift from consultant to agency and bringing on contractors? At the beginning, it was crazy, but I felt like I was spinning like literally just sitting in a chair that <laughs> spins and just me, me, me. I didn't know what was going on half the time. Lack of sleep. I've always been more of like a workaholic. So that was a factor as well, where now you're just working from home all the time in front of your computer. And I didn't own a television. So I just worked. 
All the time. And that was pretty much the biggest struggle was finding the time for yourself and trying to balance it. And, you know, I was a little bit younger back in the days as well and, and just thought you could just do it all. That was a major struggle trying to manage people, trying to get all your ducks in a row and not even know what, what ducks were at the time. <laughs> like, what, what's a duck? What a, I don't know. I have to get in line, but I know they need to be in line. What were the hardest things for you to let go? As you grew? Oh, that's a good question. So I don't necessarily think of myself as like an A-type personality or like a, a, a micromanager or someone that needs to control. But I found out over the last seven years, that's exactly who I am. <laughs> so I had a very specific way that I'd like to do things, the way I like to approach things. I feel like that's been the success of the business in general. So allowing and, and directing and allowing other people that might not have the same core values as you to run parts of the show was excruciating for me. And so over the years, I have really built systems, especially with onboarding like new team members, showing them what our value prop is, giving them the right empowered information and really getting them to understand what our core is and how to approach situations and to be there for the client. That's that was a major shift that I had to make because it had to be a certain way, but it could have, it could be a team way. It didn't have to be Holly's way. I just knew that it had to be kind and had to be warm and approachable and caring and really be able to help people. That, that's the biggest thing. And when people didn't have the same views, they didn't last too long in the company. Right. What's been the hardest part then of this process? Managing expectations around team members as well as around client expectations, I think is, was the biggest part. How did you make that shift? A lot of people that I hear that are in your position and that who come to me, they're at that intersection of I'm totally full in terms of what it is that I do and deliver. And my only option is to bring somebody else on, but the client will only pay if it's me who delivers. How have you made the shift so that even though you're the one building the relationship, it's okay for the client that the team delivers? I actually had massive shape change a couple of years ago around that. And it was very difficult. Not going to lie. Super frustrating. But when I talk to, I do a lot of mentoring and I do a lot of work with exactly that situation. It's always that situation. It's like, you're so good that everybody wants to work with you, but you can't handle it. Yes. So there's a couple solutions around that. One is to raise your prices and do it yourself. So you look at who your humans are that you're marketing to. Can they afford that? Would they pay it? Is it within the industry standards of your price range? Do they truly want to work with you and will pay anything for that? Raise your prices. If they can't or that isn't the situation, then you have to start looking at what can I let go as a person that's really good at a lot of things? Like that's a major component because when you pick on an entrepreneur, you're usually awesome at a bunch of stuff. So now what can I let go that will be able to support me in a situation where I can still remain client facing? And that could be the progression. So someone could work under you as white labeled. They don't have to talk to the client at all. You remain doing everything yourself, but handing off some of those menial tasks. The other option, which you're growing into, which I can see it growing into is once you can get a few people doing that, maybe there is a management system now. Maybe you need to bring in an operations person or a client facing project manager. If that's the case, they, you better believe they have to 
believe in everything that you're about because there have to be your mini me, your twin, feel the same, talk the same, have their own personality and be quirky and all fun like that. But they truly have to see that underlying company value that you have to do. There's also going back to that is, is your business your name or is it a business name? If it's your name, everybody has to be white labeled at that point and you're still the face of the business. It depends on, um, really depends on a few factors. I agree. I think I just rebranded to the road to seven from the Sheila Cummins. And one of the hardest things that I've had to let go is the one-on-one coaching in my various programs. And I just literally do not have enough hours in the day to do it. And it was so hard to step back and let one of my coaches step in and build that relationship and be the one that that person goes to. And even now on the calls when we're all together and, you know, some of the clients will say, or some of our students will say, well, Sylvie and I discussed this. I sort of have that little inner feeling of, but wait a minute, what about me? I'm important too. And I think that that, that shift is, it's, it is, I believe what holds women back from scaling and from leveraging the offers that they have is the feeling of importance that we get through the work that we do. How have you been able to find that feeling of importance as you shift your identity within the structure of your company? That's, uh, that's a phenomenal question. That, that's actually one of the things that I've been working on a lot the last couple of months, especially, but I'd say half a year. I do want to be recognized as a thought leader, an idea person, someone that can really hold a strong team. In order to show that stuff, though, I really do believe that the team speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. And anyone that wants to work with us, it's typically, yeah, call Holly, she'll help you out. Absolutely. But we have a system now where it's an easier transition. So during the sales call, it's very much once you sign on, you get to hand it over to so-and-so or so-and-so. And this is the process. So that's what's leading them up for success. Then when you do your kickoff call or your onboarding call, the team comes, you're there and say, okay, guys, this will be my last meeting with you. You're in good hands later, you know, type of thing. But it does hurt the heart a bit when they don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> but because you set up such an amazing system, it's almost like you're a suck it up buttercup at the same time. It sucks for sure because you're the one that has always been there to help them out. But you're helping them out so freaking much in the sales calls and you're helping them out the transition of onboarding that you really don't need to be there if you really built the team up to succeed unless there's an issue. So I come in for crisis management. I come in for ideation. I come in for consulting. That's it, really. It's hard. I'm not going to lie. Like That's one major component that I'm struggling with. So I'm like, I, I want to be interviewed now and I want, I want to be consulted only now. Like it's, it's tough though, for sure. Yeah, it is. And I think one of the things I've had to do is realize where my impact needs to be. And the, the stronger my coaching team is or my client facing team is, the stronger my company is. And that has been a real big shift. And so that's a shift in terms of how I measure the success of my day to day. How did COVID impact your business or did it? Yes. So I, I want to acknowledge that a lot of people have been affected by COVID for sure. That's a little heartbreaking because we do have a lot of clients, especially when everything originally, like it's almost two years now or like, you know, prior, when everything happened, we did have some clients that had to stop abruptly. They had to close down. There was nothing we could do about it. We were there to support them any way that we can. With our business, we sort of skyrocketed, to tell you the truth. Mm. So when 
the world was shutting down. I was thinking we were going to as well. And I started making some plans around passive income and courses and, you know, trying to do some, some side because my brain just goes all the time anyway. So like, how can we do some things on the side where the team can still be supported and, and paid for as well as, you know, we can still continue something and be helpful. So it didn't impact us very much except for it truly skyrocketed the trajectory of the business. And this year even doubled from last year. Wow. So it really took off a lot. A lot of people just needed our support in the way that we do things. So that we just kept getting calls nonstop. Was it something that you pivoted or did you shift your marketing or what caused that shift? Why, yeah, why the doubling? We didn't do, we don't do marketing first. So that, that was one. We just don't anyway. So we work with strategic partnerships. So a lot of our partnerships do our referrals for us and our sales for us. So a lot of the partners, they're in marketing as well and they were getting busy. So we were getting busy and we were getting tons of calls, especially from the Chamber of Commerce and the BIAs and a lot of NGOs started to call us, uh, national government organizations. And I, I don't have a real answer around that because it just felt like our industry was getting bigger and bigger and they needed to be tighter and tighter with those, with the partners that they referred to. So I just started working on referral partner relationships and just building through that to make sure that they knew what we're still doing. Nothing has changed. We are still providing exactly the same stuff that we were doing before, but we wanted to make sure that they truly understood that we don't do ads and ad marketing. And we truly believe in the human to human side of it. And we do the organic social and organic methods. But, you know, again, I love what you're saying because, you know, you're saying, well, we don't do marketing. You don't do traditional marketing, but you are 100 percent marketing to your strategic partners. And, you know, that is equally important marketing. OK, you don't need to be client facing doing these three video launches that sells into a membership like man, that's not what you do. But, you know, I love, you know, continually throughout your business journey, you just keep finding ways to do what you do in the way that works for you. Awesome. Quotable. You can tweet that, by the way. <laughs> Put it on the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> now, one thing that, so I, I have this peer-to-peer group where we are all agency owners and we just talk about things all together. And it's been a really good group to be part of. And they're always thinking about new clients, get new clients, nonstop new clients and acquisition. And I think to myself, every time they talk about it, I'm like, I get, I want to shower. I just want to shower. I just like, oh, I just don't like that. I don't want to acquire, acquire, acquire. I'd rather work with the clients we have, do the word of mouth, referrals, and then have this big group of strategic referral partners. We, I know that we don't do social like everybody else does. That's one major component with us. And so anyone that calls us as a referral partner, it's usually for a website or our social media management. Right. They need that other half for what they're doing to make the whole picture successful for the client. So we just started leveraging it. And you're right, actually, that we don't do traditional marketing. And I actually say that a lot. We, we do non-traditional marketing and non-traditional PR yeah. for our business to market it. So, yeah, to thrive. It's fantastic. So I've got two more questions before I let you go. The first question, based on what you know now, what do you wish you knew when you were starting based on what you know now? couple things. One is don't hire the first coach you talk to because they're never going to think like you. They're going to think like them. That's one major component that I wish I didn't put money into at the very beginning. Thought I needed it. 
I was wrong. I'm I'm a big girl, big girl panties. I can admit it. No problem. Definitely don't want to dump that much money into a coach. Find peers. And a lot of people feel like their industry is so competitive and you have all this competition. But I'll bet you money. Well, I'm not going to bet you any money because I'm too cheap. I will bet you a high five in the future that you have more competitor colleagues out there that you never thought to trust and to, to build connections with than you do actual competitors. Competition is just a word that drives me nuts. I feel like the word competition to me feels negative. Like you don't have a, I see it as very healthy competition because now you can, you can carve out your own little niche there and be unapologetically yourself and be true to who you are and really build your business based on you and your value prop and what makes you special. And then find those people that think the exact same way. Your competition is going, I think, at everything in a different direction. They want sales. They want volume. They want numbers. They want money. I don't want that stuff. I want to be able to help as many people as I can with how we do things. And we attract those people because of it. So I feel like the competitor to colleague is a much more succinct way to grow your business and to feel sane and to build a community around like-minded people that the competition side of it goes out the window. Where do you go for mentorship? How do you do your learning? I work with peer-to-peer groups instead. Yeah. So I don't hire coaches or mentors myself. If I have a specific question around finances or around just certain things I'm not that strong in, I would rather ask a like a colleague rather than looking for an actual mentor myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And second question, what's next for you? Where's, where are we going to see creative solutions in the next couple of years? More ha ha ha. So I never wanted to be a big agency. As you know, I started as a consultant and everything just cra- went crazy and I held on by the seat of my pants to get there. So I am very, very happy with where things are today. I love my management team. I love our every single team member. Like we literally cry because we love each other so much. It's kind of silly. And it's all a freelance space. Like we're not employees. We're all team members. They, everyone has their own jam. But one major component that I really want to focus on is helping small businesses because our pricing around what we offer for the other side of the business is more in like the medium business size. You know, like if the business is around a million dollars or 500,000 plus in building. So for us, we have, we're in front of small businesses all the time. I'm constantly teaching. I'm constantly talking to people with small businesses. I've never been able to help them really instead of consulting. So the more that we can help small businesses right now, I do have a side hustle, of course, that is really geared towards small businesses. So a lot of workshops, courses, downloads, resources, and working with other coaches as well and other other mentors for very specific things that they have questions for. So that's really the jam is right now heading towards helping small, small businesses maintaining creative solutions the way it is with the with exactly the amount of clients that we have currently and just helping as many people as we can. Yeah, right on. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I think there's so many nuggets in there, so much great information. Would people want to learn more about you? Where should they go? NeatCS.com or on every social media platform, Creative Solutions HQ. Nice. Ollie, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. 
If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to 7 Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.